it's just so scary because like you never know like on any given day but like I truly would like risk my life for those kids on this season of the PG Daily we will be taking an in-depth look at education in Prince George's County you will hear from some of the integral voices that are responsible for educating and enriching the minds of students in the county. You will also hear from students that have been directly impacted by the county's educational system, and you will hear how the Prince George's County schools impact the community as a whole. In today's episode, you will hear the daily news, and for our big story, we sit down with Ms. Zoe kindergarten teacher for Prince George's County Public Schools. And later, we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month in our segment, What Had Happened Was, with Julio Anzaro Rivera. I'm David Smalls. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Prince George's Community News. We are recording live from the new studios of Prince George's Community Radio and the brand new Center for Performing Arts located on the campus of Prince George's Community College in beautiful downtown Largo, Maryland. I'm David Smalls with today's newscast. Today is Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. The weather forecast for today is a high temperature of 69 degrees with a low temperature of 59 degrees, with a 20% chance of rain. The high for tomorrow is expected to be even cooler at 63 degrees, with a low temperature of 56 degrees, with a 20% chance of rain. And now for your local news. WJLA has reported that a 24-year-old man has been charged with the strangulation death of a tow truck driver during a fight over a towing fee. Damian Howard is charged with second-degree murder, assault, and related charges. Authorities identified the victim as 41-year-old Tyreek Butler. The attack happened in the 5000 block of College Avenue. When officials arrived at the scene, they saw Howard holding Butler in a chokehold and Butler was unconscious. Police said officers performed CPR on Butler, and he was transported to an area hospital where he died an hour later. An autopsy revealed that Butler's death was ruled a homicide due to strangulation. Prince George's County Public Schools will receive over $340,000 from the Maryland Department of the Environment to launch its first electric school bus. Prince George's is one of four counties statewide to receive funds to pilot electric or alternative fuel school buses. From the office of Dr. Monica Goldson, Executive Director of Schools, these eco-friendly initiatives, such as electric school buses, help to keep our children safe inside and outside of school. We are grateful for these funds and look forward to seeing our yellow school buses go green. The first gas station in the U.S. that has been completely transitioned from a petroleum station to exclusively charging EVs opened Thursday in Tacoma Park, Maryland. RS Automotives, the local gas station, has been around since 1958. Depeswar Dolly, 
owner of the station since 1997, said he was already unhappy with the way oil and gasoline companies structure contracts. A nudge from his daughter was the final step in convincing Dolly to make the switch to EV charging. Dolly said, my daughter, who is 17, she is the one who convinced me after I told her that I was going to talk to the Electric Vehicle Institute. A public works manager for the city of Tacoma Park, Maryland, first suggested to Dolly a conversation with Electric Vehicle Institute. And that's your local news. For Prince George's Community Radio, I'm David Smalls. Have a great day and stay tuned for our big story with Miss Zoe, the kindergarten teacher for Prince George's County Public Schools. My first question is, how was your day? I know it's a Monday. How was your day? Ooh, today was actually really, really rough. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. What took place? <laughs> Mondays are, like, always kind of usually rough because, like, A, we're just coming back up off the weekend. Um, and you got you to get them back in the swing things. I teach kindergarten. I know we haven't gotten to that question. but <laughs> <laughs> Question answered. <laughs> right. Getting them into the swing of things is, like, just kind of difficult you know mm. like just getting them like ready to go and back on track and a routine is really hard and then um i just have a, a really special friend in my class but i'm sure we'll get to another question <laughs> soon, so. okay so my first question that you already answered is do you teach kindergarten yes okay so. K-Squad down here. <laughs> the tiny tots okay so um my other question is how long have you been teaching Okay, so this is my second official year teaching kindergarten. Okay. Um, in graduate school, I did like a whole year residency program, but you know, I wasn't getting that that teacher pay because mm. I didn't need to get that master's. Um, mm. but I was in a second grade inclusion classroom there, but this is like my second official year on my own. Mm, okay. And so with it being your second year on your own, did you come like were there any um difficulties that came with it being your I guess first year when you had your first year um no my first year was honestly like the best year of my life like it was really really good I feel like I learned a lot of valuable things from graduate school because we spent a whole entire year in one classroom so when I finally got my own in kindergarten um my classroom management was on point so basically like you know taking control of the kids and making sure they're like listening like that mm. I had no problems with but like paperwork okay that's a different story <laughs> <laughs> Like, that has nothing to do with the classroom, okay? Like, you mm. don't need me to... No, I'm just kidding. Paperwork is important. But that was kind of <laughs> where, like, I, I slack. And I still kind of struggle with it this year. But hopefully it gets better. Okay, let's talk about your childhood as far as your experiences in school. Did that have anything to do with you um, becoming a teacher? Definitely. So I was homeschooled. Ah. Um, yeah, up until seventh grade. And my parents both taught me um, 
my dad was, he was like a teacher, kind of like before he started like homeschooling me, my brother, um, and just like kind of watching him and his love for kids and then seeing him transition from not only homeschooling us, but like becoming a substitute in um, what our school system back at home to becoming a special education teacher to him becoming a first grade teacher um, definitely fueled the fire for me to be like, yeah, I think I want to teach. Like, I love how he loves kids and how he loves me and my brother. I definitely think this is what I want to do. <laughs> Ooh, were there any difficulties with being homeschooled that made you want to go into being a public school teacher? Um, not necessarily. Like, being homeschooled was cool. Um, a lot of people try and say that homeschoolers are, like, weird, but we weren't. My parents were sure we were doing, like, a whole bunch of, like, extracurricular stuff. It was just, like, uh, that transition from homeschool, like, public school, where it's, like, whoa, culture shock. <laughs> uh, oh, so you did end up going to public school? Yeah, I did. After, um, seventh grade. So I started my seventh grade year mm. in homeschool, and that was... That was a little while. I know you're in middle school. That was a a rough time. Oh, no. Okay, what about... Well, what about your childhood made you want to teach kindergarten? And do you ever see yourself wanting to teach anything other than kindergarten? Yeah, so seventh grade, like I said, is my first, like, official year in school. And there's this one teacher we got to do... um, it was a year-round school, so it was, like, these things called intercession, which is, like, a little break, but you go to school. And so at that time, I started going, and um, one of the teachers was teaching sign language. And so I was like, oh, bet. I want to be a sign language teacher. <laughs> that quickly changed when I realized kind of, like, the requirements, not things you had to do. I said, mm, I don't think so. So then I was like, I think I want to teach preschool. And I came up with that decision by the time I was in, like, the eighth grade. And so I really wanted to teach preschool. Then I found out there's no loan forgiveness. So I said, kindergarten's a good next choice. <laughs> we got to go with the loan forgiveness. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. We need okay. loan forgiveness. So I, I said, kindergarten. Um, but yeah, and then um, when I did start kind of like teaching uh, grad school in second grade, second grade was like my cap. So I would teach kindergarten first or second or pre-K, you know, mm-hmm. after my loans are forgiven. Right. Um, and I did really want to teach high school okay. but only like high school spanish because i love the language mm. um so if i taught anything it'd be high school spanish if i ever do okay mm, okay yeah <laughs> um what was my next question was with being in school today as far as being a kindergarten teacher how was that just like Ooh, and- it's like it's definitely something um so what I will say is it's not like how maybe like you and I grew up or anybody that like would listen to this interview or yeah. whatever. It's not like how we kind of grew up because I feel like a lot of us had a lot of parental support mm-hmm. um, or just like, I don't like a decent upbringing. Like a lot of my kids don't know their letters. They don't know their numbers. Mm. They don't even know how to spell their own names. And I know like though I was homeschooled, other people that I knew, like they knew their names, they knew their address and their mother's name their dad's name Mm. their phone number like stuff like that and these kids just don't know that stuff is that because of the county that you're in um i would say that inner city kids definitely do have a lack in that um definitely i would say that inner city kids struggle with that you don't necessarily see that with the white population not to be like that but Mm. um Mm. you know you don't really like see that um and not to like don't get me wrong there are some african-american students that do know those things but it's not a lot of people that um that kind of come to you with that with that knowledge and it just kind of sucks because you're just working really hard to try and close the achievement gap and pull everybody up but like how do i do that when literally one of my kids knows three letters oh no and you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah 
kid that knows all their letters and their sounds and like 10 sight words like they're not even on the same like level but somehow at the end of the year i'm expected to get that kid that knows three letters to getting them to like all their letters all their sounds and you know what i mean like it's just it's just not there it's kind of wild yeah so let's get into how um being a kindergarten teacher in an inner city in an inner city area do you feel like there's a lot of responsibility placed on you um over even i guess the parents as far as the students going to school and you getting them to a certain level to be able to achieve the next grade oh goodness yes you would have thought that you were a teacher with the way that you were just talking because (laughs) literally no i'm so serious we say this all the time like there is no like zero accountability for the parents mm. the only person that's responsible is miss walton mm. like or the next teacher in my classroom like if you were teaching you know miss osay you're accountable for like what goes on here like you know what i mean it's, it's really not fair because like how am i held responsible when it's like i can only do but so much here in this eight hour day like they go home for the next you know if they leave the school immediately you know they might get home like Four thirty or so and i'm like that's where the parent takes over but like you know sometimes the parents don't take yeah, over yeah. you know what i mean so it's like then the learning stops at school and it starts back up when they get back to school and like how 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 yeah no how <laughs> like, are you supposed to be able to get them up to par right like what, what am little I to no to help like, yeah the administration cracks down on you your own district will crack down on you but like you need to do this you need to do that you need to have this done they will grow from a 29 to 83 on their pals they will do this they will do that like bro how do i do that and this year i have 25 kids in my room and one of them i believe has special needs Mm. and right now he doesn't have any services because of course it's kindergarten and he didn't necessarily go to a um you know preschool program or anything else like that so it's just like you know he's getting diagnosed for the first time in my classroom Mm. but as of right now it's a distraction to other students. He literally screams out. He runs out of my classroom. He does a lot of things. And I'm trying to still get the other 24 in line. And it's week three, day two. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. how? Like, they're not, they're five, guys. Like, they're, I think everybody's five now. I may have one four-year-old left. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're literally five. And, like, how do I even? Maintain. Yeah, like, maintain the environment, get everybody up to par, and, like, I have that one kid doing whatever the heck. Like, it's just... Yeah, they'll they'll have you jumping through hoops, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's so, so hard. <laughs> what so hard. do you feel with all this responsibility you are underpaid? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like, I, when I complain to my friends all the time, especially about number 25 is what I call him. When I complain, <laughs> I'm like, I don't get paid enough. You run out of my classroom, I don't get paid enough. With my cute dress that I have on to go run after you to the cafeteria, I don't get paid enough for that. Oh, my goodness. Like, but teachers are underpaid, and we're literally the gateway to every other career. Yeah. Every job. You had a teacher at some point in your life. Yeah. And no way that you could say you didn't. Like, somebody taught you something, and we literally make the bottom of the barrel yeah you know? i guess my my last question is i really wanted to get into i don't know if you saw the latest sandy hook commercial that came out um today no, oh, no. Okay. okay well then if you haven't seen it it's not a big deal but i do recommend you um take a look at it it has yeah no, i want to yeah it's in reference to the uh school shootings Goodness. and so i was wondering if you had any opinions on just you know the fear that may, your students may have or the fear that you may have being in your setting or how you deal with that 
Oh man, well, I ain't gonna hold you. I pray. I'm like, I'm a believer. Okay, yeah. this. <laughs> okay. Um, and <laughs> I feel like my biggest thing is like, I literally just have to pray and like plead the blood of Jesus. I'm sorry, y'all. I know it's a little, you know, no, but like, it is what it is. It is. Okay. <laughs> like, I literally have to pray. Um, and it's kind of crazy that you even mentioned that because we just happen to have, um, a lock and hide drill yesterday which is like the old code red so basically saying that an active shooter is like close by and things like that mm-hmm. and it is very scary like i'm like i wasn't prepared so like i'm running up the hallway trying to go like lock my door and i didn't have anything like cover my my door window and i still don't and i'm still trying to like come with a good idea of what i can put over it but like it's just so scary because like you never know like on any given day but like I truly would, like, risk my life for those kids. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no question asked. Like, I'm sure in the moment, like, yeah, I'd probably be, like, scared as heck. But, like, no questions asked. I would lay down my life um, for those kids. Yeah. Like, because they, like, I'm going to be, like, that I've lived oh so much. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm 23. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've lived, you know, I've lived past five, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's true. Though that would be, like, traumatic on them. Like, dang, like, their teacher is gone, like at least you still have your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I would have, have hoped that, you know, anything that I've done or said to them in like whatever time, and pr- this will never happen. Okay. Amen. But you know, <laughs> I pray that like anything that I would have said to them or like done would have really like just demonstrate that like I did love them, mm-hmm. that I cared about them and I cared about their future and I cared about um, what it was that they wanted to do in their life. Even though they're in kindergarten, you know, they love to be ambitious, but just like <laughs> I would anything that I said or did like really just let them know that I love them and I cared about them mm. um and that they can like do and be whatever it is they want to be but it is scary to think about because you know every I don't want to be like that but like every place is getting shot up we can't go to the movies yeah the yeah yeah like, we can't go anywhere without somebody whipping out their guns and it's unfortunate like why is it we can't even go to school like what do you have against an innocent child yeah. I mean, no like, I mean it's it's, it's like, crazy it is it's sickening but like I said I would at the end of the day, I would literally lay down my life for, for students. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, that is just, that is just, I mean, like so honorable to hear. I mean, my next question is, I guess I want to end this podcast on a lighter note. I said podcast yes. <laughs> interview on a lighter note, but um, what is one of your favorite moments that you've had? I guess oh, I want to say this, this, this semester. Man, so far this year, it's only week three, day one. <laughs> day, yeah, day one. Um, but, man, so far, I, like, I'm really getting to know them, and they're, they're very interesting. Bunch. This year, they're very red bunches, very, very, like, high energy. Okay. I had, like, a favorite moment with them just yet. Okay, I, let's honestly, do, let's no, do. I would, say, I, would, I would say today. I would say today. So, we were learning a letter, the letter A, mm-hmm. and... Um, I had to combine with another teacher because I was, I was very anxious today. I had like kind of a little meltdown at work, like I said, because number 25 just kind of like did me in. But she came over to my room with her 24 kids. So it's 49 kids in the classroom, two adults. Okay. But they did, they did really well though. And we had like just finished watching our like ABC videos and all this stuff. And I was like, okay guys, like the letter of the day is A. And they were like, oh my gosh, cool. And so like I'm writing it and I'm like, is this an A? And I wrote like the letter S. And all the kids are like, no. Uh. And then it's like, okay, 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 give me another chance. Like, is this an A? And I write like a Z. And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, they got it. It's so bad. 
And I was like, okay, spread your magical fingers toward this one so you can get it. And like, they're like waving their fingers at me. And then like, I write the A and I'm like, is this an A? And they're like, yes. They just go crazy, but it's so fun to just like, have those like cheesy childish moments with them. They eat it right on up. And it like, honestly, it makes you relax a little more. It makes you want to have like, way more fun with them because like they're just like man like i know that my teacher is smarter than this and then i was like can i kiss my brain they're like yeah and so (laughs) they were just so excited for me but like (laughs) oh my goodness it's just so fun just like see them like okay and now we celebrate hispanic heritage month here's julio anzaro rivera with our segment what had happened was. Major moments in Hispanic history. The Cuban Revolution comes to power in 1959. What had happened was, following the triumph of the Cuban Revolution in 1959 and its sharp leftward turn within the next two years, Fidel Castro established a communist government that remains in place today. Why it matters? More than one million Cubans left the island as the revolution became more radical, with most of them settling in Miami, Florida, a city they transformed. Subsequent waves of Cubans migrated to the United States in the 1980s, with the Mariel boat lift and the 1990s after the fall of the Soviet Union upended the island's economy. Thank you for listening to the PG Daily Podcast. Tune in next time for more daily news and informative interviews concerning Prince George's County. This show has been brought to you by Prince George's Community Radio, and the opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Prince George's Community College, its staff, faculty, administration, or its affiliates. It is produced by Heavenly B, Dorcas Ashinawo, Stephen Boney, Vanita Newsom, David Smalls, and is executively produced by Dale Roden.